Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. We're doing another one of these recordings and podcasts. Owen Wilson. (laughs) We're uh, doing another one of these, uh, (laughs) you know, we're going to say some things and (laughs) maybe you'll agree. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) um, I love it. (laughs) But uh, here we are on uh, our topical Wednesday conversation. Every time I say topical, I feel like I want to say ointment. Um, but we have a, we have ointment. A, yeah. Topical ointment oh. or whatever. It's a thing. It's a word that has multiple uses. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure you do. Um, but yeah, um, we've got an, an interesting one. This is what I, I, we've actually talked about doing a podcast like this for a while. Yeah. And we've sort of dipped our toes in it and other ones before, but we're going to just like dive straight in to this one because it's a, every bit as relevant as anything. And obviously I still have my own stigmas about it in terms of there's obviously some sort of a reluctance I have to get into this conversation, but, um, we're talking about video games, art, or are they simply entertainment? And, uh, this has been kind of a modern, a modern conversation argument that's been going on for a little while now. Um, you know, Roger Ebert, who, I mean, is an incredible writer and critic of cinema. Like I will not dispute that. However, he did have some strong opinions as video games, not being art, um, which has been part of the fuel to the fire and one side of that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's, let's get into what we think about this. Yeah. I can already hear my parents (laughs) go outside and play. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, get away from that screen hitting buttons all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's our, you know, our generation, we grew up with video games. They were a big part. I mean, uh, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Sega Sega Genesis, the handheld, you know, Game Boy, and they've evolved and PlayStation came out 3DO. You know, some people don't know what 3DO is. I had one. Yeah. 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 That Dreamcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Dreamcast. There was the virtual boy from Nintendo. I still have one of those. PlayStation two, PlayStation three, PlayStation four, Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox 360. (laughs) And then the modern day X bone as it's called. Now we got virtual reality, which I haven't actually delved in very much yet, but you know, and then of course there's the whole PC market, which has been around for years. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's like one of the very first forms of video games. Those are some of the, in fact, before I ever had a video game console, I played games on a computer. So, Mm -hmm. And I think we can talk about the different genres of video games. I mean, there's strategy games, there's, you know, action games, there's sports games, there's, you know, all sorts of different types of ways, uh, or genres to play, you know, and, um, and they all have their own little various style and, uh, and, and offer their own certain kind of thing. So yeah, we can get into all of this. Yeah. And, um, maybe like demystify some stuff. Yeah. 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 I think so. And, and I mean, I'm just going to come right out of the gate here and just put my opinion 
out there is that I do absolutely believe that video games are an art form, or at least that they can be an art form. I know that I have had when, because when I, what I think of as being something of, of artistic value, I think of something that gives me an emotional experience Um, which is one of like the sort of oldest philosophies of what constitutes art is that it's, uh, I think it was Aristotle who said it's like, it creates a catharsis in us, right? That's how you sort of measure the, the value of a piece of art. And I know that I have had experiences playing video games that have given me a real emotional, like have pulled something emotional out of me. Um, but at the same time, I also can kind of understand where a lot of people, especially from maybe an older generation, like we talked a little bit about before, like, you know, Roger Ebert, who was a big critic of video games as art. I mean, he didn't really grow up with them, you know, whereas we did. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have a slightly different perspective on it. But um, I understand to a degree some of what he was arguing about as to why they're not an art form. And I think it's just that it all depends on what sort of a video game you played because Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I don't think that all video games are works of art. Some of them I think are just kind of entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know, there can be art inside of it. I mean, there's whole artistic teams involved in making games now. And so there's sort of an artistry within that in terms like of what you can do visually. Um, but still, I feel like art has to have something of substance at its core. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like in terms of really hitting something in your humanity and not all games are aiming to do that. Some are just like, yeah, pick this up, shoot some shit and you know, pick it up for 10 minutes, throw it down whatever. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what they're there for. They're meant more as of, of a distraction or as just a form of entertainment. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I personally think that that's our pretentiousness in art is where we as a society have kind of secretly silently all agreed that art needs to be this really big deal that moves you and changes you. And if it doesn't have this deep cathartic emotional effect that somehow it's not art. And it's just really not true because, you know, like some pictures you're going to look at some paintings, some movies you're going to watch, some songs you're going to hear, they're not going to do any of that for you. Yeah. And so are they no longer an artist? You know, they're no longer creating something and is not art something that you create. And so I think there's this pretentiousness to art. And I think video games actually confront the pretentiousness of it because there are some video games that are extremely moving and, you know, have a cathartic release to them and have really, uh, there, there are moments where I'll refer to as other people. Remember this moment in that game when that happened, it was like, holy hell, right? Oh yeah. Sort of like this, uh, sort of almost an awe inspiring moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I, so I think like when we talk about entertainment, I think entertainment is kind of the side of art, which is more of the shallower side of art. It's the less moving, not so deep, not so, uh, you know, profound or original. It's a little more cliche maybe, but it's a nice distraction. It's fun. It's playful. It does some things. Whereas, um, you know, the, 
the more like pretentious side of art. And I don't know if pretentious is the right. I think the judgment of entertainment is pretentious, but the more profound, um, original, unique kind of art, um, it has its place. And I think you can find both in video games. And so, yeah, I was going to actually say the same thing off the start of this podcast to say, uh, my opinion is I definitely believe they are art. So we might as well end this podcast, introduce yeah. the beer, and move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I will introduce the beer. Yeah, I mean, do it. Obviously, we'll continue to uh, have this discussion and weigh, weigh in on you know our thoughts on on video games as art. But this, um, this brew is uh, from our good friends at Steel and Oak, and this is their smoked honeybock. Yeah. <laughs> it is really smoky. Oh, yeah. Feel like I'm, it is. I feel like I'm growing hair on my chest drinking this right now. Yeah, <laughs> it is smoky and rich. Like it's yeah. uh, high alcohol, and I think like in their description of the beer, it was said like enjoyed like sitting on like a rich leather couch <laughs> nice. in front of a fire. Yeah, and it's like yeah, definitely. <laughs> like this is um, man, that's a mouthful. But it's 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 tasty. Like that oh. first sip kind of slaps you across the face a little bit. Totally. Yeah. You kind of got to warm up to it, but you're right. Like you said this, um, you know, earlier before we started the podcast, you have a few sips and then all of a sudden it kind of settles in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's very rich, strong flavor. Um, yeah, it's good. It's, uh, it's interesting, you know, it's like almost one of those beers where it's kind of like, it's strange. Like it reminds me almost like Christmas time or something just sitting around with everyone, you know, where like, just like, ha- like almost like, I feel like I'm having a cigar. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, I'm, cigar. I'm not, but I feel like I am. You could, like yeah. you could, you could drink this with like a piece of apple pie. Yeah. Or something it's like that. Like, and it would be perfectly fine. <laughs> it's almost got like a, like it reminds me of scotch, like having a thing of scotch mm. a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, so I like it. It's good. Nice, dark, robust. I'm actually surprised at how smooth it is now. Like it's not smooth in the sense that you could just like pound it back. But as far as sipping it goes, it's really enjoyable. Yeah. It's nice. So that's the beer and we got that out of the way. That's the beer. Um, steel and oak. Thank you. Once again, we've had you many a time on this podcast. (laughs) Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. So let's go into this video game stuff and, um, yeah, and have some fun and not take ourselves too seriously either. Cause I think that's another thing too with art. You know, I think sometimes as artists, we take ourselves too seriously, you know, in any art medium, not just video games, but I think video games are kind of something where you can play certain video games and you don't have to take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's some video games where you kind of pick up, you play it for a little bit, you put it down you move on. You don't think about it again. Yeah. You just had fun. There's other games where I don't, ever want to put it down. Cause I'm like the moment I put it down, I'm going to be thinking about it and I'm going to be thinking about the story that's still progressing and what I'm getting into. Yeah. And a lot of the times with those games, like if I'm playing say the uncharted series, I pretty much usually just book off like a day or two or three sometimes to just be like, I'm playing this game, yeah. you know, and I'm just going to go through the whole thing and I'm just going to do it. Like it's like an extended, like binge watching a television show or something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot like that. And I, it's a blast and it's fun. And I like the full kind of commitment to it. Um, but also like I've played video games like that and I put, I, you know, I haven't been able to book off time or I haven't, 
I suppose I haven't chosen to book off time for it. And then I'm walking away and it's like when you have to watch a TV show as it's slowly released on television. Right. And you're kind of like, you're thinking about it. You're like doing your work and you're like, man, I just like, what's going on? What's yeah. going to happen? You know, like yeah, and cliffhangers I mean, and stuff. Right? And sometimes like as, as they're getting more and more immersive, I mean, I feel like as technology has advanced and, and the sort of limitations, um, have been, have been removed from a lot of developers and creators of these games, uh, and more independence now because of like online, like there's so many people who are just putting these little games, like these little three man teams are putting out these extraordinary, um, titles. Yeah. Um, but there's just, there's, there's so much more room to, to create an experience for your audience, for the player, you know, because truly even as a player, you are still an audience member of sorts. You're just, it's, you know, why it's called like interactive entertainment. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like you are interacting with this, with this thing. But I mean, so many other art forms have, have aimed to do that, to bring, you know, the, the, viewer as a participant in what it is. Yeah. Right? Like, and in, people actually watch other people play video games. Yeah. Like there's a whole thing online. There's people who literally play through video games, post what they played online and they have a massive amount of people who watch. And there's people who play live competitive games and they have like audiences like you would for like a football match. It's yeah. like so many people are watching. You know, I, I actually, I shared this on an earlier podcast, but I'll just bring it up again. It was one of the, one of the most interesting and honestly, one of the most fun dates I've ever been on. I, I took uh, this woman out and we went out, we had drinks and had some food and whatever. And this game had just come out. It's called heavy rain at the time. Oh yeah. 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 I think I shared this with you, but I'll share it again. And so we're there and we're talking and you know, I was telling her, yeah, I just got this game and I played it for like an hour or something before I met up with her, you know, cause I was excited to get it. And I'm like, I'll try it out. And it was one of those games where you put it down and you're like, man, like what's going to happen? Like, cause immediately what happens in the game, I don't want to ruin anything, but basically the story is based on you are a father and you, you're basically lose your kid. Your kid yeah. gets kidnapped and you know, there's this whole murder thing that might be going on or whatever. And, and basically you're trying to figure out what happened and and when you start the game, this basically happens. You've basically lost your child and you're in the, the office and you're trying to tell the police and you're actually interacting. You're trying to answer the questions of the police. You're trying to remember what your kid was wearing and, you know, all these details. And so then of course I end the game like right there. And then I go on this date and it's like one of those moments where you're like, man, like what's going to happen in this game? Like I was, you know, so in the back of my mind, I was thinking about it. And so at a certain point in our conversation, I told her about it. I said, yeah, so, you know, it's this game. It's like interactive. You make choices and it affects the outcome of the game. And she's like, that sounds amazing. And I was like, yeah, it, it, it really is amazing. And she's like, she's like, I'd love to see it. Like, uh, you know, and I'm like, do you want to, do you want to go back? And like, you know, it wasn't even a line, Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you want to go and play it. We stayed up all night and played through this entire video game together. <laughs> and she watched while I played and and we just had like a blast together. Yeah. And it was just such a fun night. And it was like, it was almost like we just, um, you know, and we were talking and we were talking about what was going on and, and all this other stuff. And it was just a really like amazing experience. And so, you know, 
I mean, to say that that's not artistic, you know, to say that that's not art, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I would, I, I, that to me is art. That's the same, you know, that's, uh, we had an experience together through this content. Absolutely. I think that that's a huge part of it. I mean, art is, um, you had a quote that you had shared with me a few days ago or something. And it was, I can't remember who had, who had written. He was, he was an artist, like an actual, a painter, but he said, art is, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, art is, um, is an experience, not an object. Oh yeah. I don't remember who said that, but yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I come like, I heard it. I'm like, yeah, I agree. Like yeah. it's brilliant, but I agree with it. You know, I, maybe I'm saying I'm brilliant, I don't know. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, brilliant. Com- completely. Like I was just like, that's, that's every, like it echoed so many of my own sentiments on, mm. on it and just really succinctly put it. And, and I think that, that that's a huge part of it. It's an experience. I used to watch my brother play video games. One of like a, like a, a game changer, haha, for me. <laughs> <laughs> nice pun. <Evan>. Yeah. <laughs> And it wasn't even meant to be. And then I realized right before I said it, <laughs> I'm like, well, here it is. Can't no going around it now. Um, was, um, final fantasy seven. Okay. For, for the original PlayStation. Yeah. A much beloved game by many. I was really big into, um, those, um, RPG. those Japanese RPGs yeah. for time. And, and because of final fantasy seven, it was just, to me at that time, I had never experienced something with such a massive story hmm. and th- all of these characters. And like, it was just like going on this whole adventure. Like, yeah, there was an entertainment value of it and you were kind of escaping, but there was just like, I was pulled into the world of it. Like, and it was the first time I, there was moments that if you, I don't want to ruin this for anybody because they're doing a remake of it, which I can't wait to get my hands on whenever that eventually comes out. But if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII, I mean, you can go and get the original for stupid cheap. You can download it and play through it and whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, it there were moments in, in that game and in that story where it's like there's there was this moment where one of the characters, one of the, your main characters, like halfway through the story just gets killed. Really? Like they're dead. You've been playing as them. Potentially you didn't necessarily have to, but they were an integral part of it. And suddenly they're dead. And I remember just like being me and my brother <laughs> playing through this game together. I'm watching him. We're like trading off back and forth. And this moment happens and I was just like, what? No, no. <laughs> like I was just like, I was just in shock. Yeah. And, and other moments too, like as like the, the sort of the main bad guy in the game, like every time, like you would see them appear, it was just like, Ugh. like you just get this whole feeling. Like it created all kinds of feelings and emotions and all these experiences within the, the narrative that it was telling, but you were also participating, you were moving it forward as well. Mm. Right. And I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know how that isn't art per se. I mean, yeah, I was a kid, but I mean, doesn't make a difference. Like it was something that, that moved me and something that this is the other thing too, is how much film has been shaped by video games now too. Yeah. Like they've made video, like movies out of video games. Usually it doesn't work out too well, Yeah, but there's so much 
and there's so many directors who will say that like video games help to shape them as filmmakers. Yeah. You know, because it was a way of, you know, sometimes it was through storytelling or sometimes it was through the presentation of that video games provide that has given an influence into other realms, you know, like how can you deny the power of something like that? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's a, you know, it's interesting. Like we brought up that quote, right? Um, art is an experience, not an object. And I think that, you know, that's everything as a human being is an experience. That's all it's really about. Like if you go out and you buy a Ferrari or you buy a car, you go on a vacation it, it's about the experience. If, if you find your life partner, it's not really about the partner. It's about the experience. And all we really have is the experience and the confusion in our culture in this day and age, in my opinion, is that we don't realize that all we are really going for is experiences. Mm -hmm. And so we get distracted and we think, Oh, I need to buy this nice pair of shoes or this thing. But what you don't realize is what you want is the experience of the shoes. You don't actually want the shoes per se. And so you, you know, you confuse the art with the object as opposed to the art is the experience it gave you. Right. And so art is this really neat thing because it's kind of like, like, like dark matter or whatever. It's like, it actually exists everywhere. It's always happening. You remember that movie, uh, American beauty. Yep. And then he's filming, filming the, the garbage plastic. bag. Yeah. Right. Well, that's basically kind of suggesting the whole point of that is suggesting that art is everywhere. It's just, can you see it or not? Right. Right. And so, um, I have to watch that movie again. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's kind of in a weird way, as we've ventured into this discussion, it's kind of a mute point to even like, to even question whether it's art or not. I mean, yeah. I think that's pretty obvious. And I don't think, I think if the audience isn't on board yet, I mean, maybe they will be by the end, but I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty clear on the fact that I think it's all art. Now it's just yeah. a matter of how much is it entertainment and how much is it depth? Yeah. You know, I don't think the ultimate question of this episode is really about answering. Is it art or yeah, not? It's but about- the thing is, is that like, you can have the same argument about many of the films that come out today yeah. or, or, or it doesn't even matter. Or, or, and the music that comes out and the, and the, the paintings and the sculptures and the, you know, the, the galleries that happen. I've seen stuff like, I, I think I have a broader sense of, of what art is. I think it to truly appreciate art, you, you have to have a certain sense of curiosity. You know, you have to have a mind to dig a little bit deeper because you might look at something and not understand it. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is something I never really understood when I was younger. You know, I would go to an art gallery and just be like, yeah, it's just like some paintings, you know, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I was also like from, from, a little New from Brooklyn or something too. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, what is this? I don't know what this is. This is uh, <laughs> It's the painting, yeah, it's some, got some trees in it. And this one doesn't even look like nothing. It's just like some stripes and whatever. <laughs> but then it, it took a while and then you're just like, no, you have to try and understand that there was something that was being communicated in this, right? There was something that at least you think that there's something that's <clears throat> trying to be communicated. And then once you take a moment, you can actually like really study something and, and you can form some ideas and opinions and have an actual experience of it, right? And I think sometimes art isn't necessarily trying to tell you what you're supposed to feel, but you know, it, it can create some sort of an experience in you and you end up 
telling yourself what it means. And, mm-hmm. and that can be a catharsis that you can, you can take something and it can mean something to so many different people. Right. And so many different things. Um, well, you, t- yeah. some, you stumbled on something interesting here, meaning, and, uh, you know, th- if anyone hasn't ever heard of this, th- you know, the whole thing of like chaos theory, essentially that nothing means anything and that everything is random. There is no God. There is no point. We are all just little bits and particles and whatever that have somehow jumbled together and we're walking around and here we are. And then we die and it's done. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, and that's in some ways that's a story, but, um, we as human beings, whether that's true or not, we hate the idea of that. Most of us, most of us like are scared to death of chaos. We're actually more scared of chaos than we are of death because the idea that it could be chaos is what's scary about death. Because if you think about it, now I'm not saying let's take this beyond even religion, but let's say you're spiritual and you believe there's an afterlife and you believe there's a purpose and a meaning and a connectedness to it all. Well, death isn't so bad because now you're like, well, okay, so I die in this lifetime, but then I move on to the next and I see what happens after this and it continues and nothing really ever ends. So who cares? Right. Um, and then the scary thing is the loss of self. Then it becomes, well, do I lose myself when I transcend to this next do I, you know, yeah. reincar- right. And then and what is myself? Right. So anyway, so <laughs> like, it's going to be a nice light fun when we were yeah. talking about video games. This is still fun. <laughs> Evan. This is still fun. No, but okay. Well, I just want to like, I do have a point. So, so chaos and then meaning. So then with, with chaos, if it is chaos, we as human beings thrive off of meaning and art gives us meaning. So, you know, even to tell a story in and of itself is art because it's art because we don't actually know if it's true or not. Like science, you, you verify everything, you measure everything, you know, like you can actually like measure and equate if it's true, but art is something you can't, it's subjective. And so story, if it's not measurable, if it's not something that you can actually pinpoint and there's variables in it that people could have different perspectives and different ideas about the same event, it becomes art because now it becomes subjective as, as opposed to an objective idea. And I think the thing about video games is their subjective experience. Not everybody's going to play the same game and have the same experience. And I'd love for us to come up with some examples of how that might be, you know? All right. I got one. Yes, sir, trying to get fired out there. Okay, I'll just start because it was my idea. I'm driving. <laughs> I didn't know because I threw it on you, and then I was like, "Wait like, a minute!" Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's one, and this is gonna seem like a weird one, but all right. <clears throat> the game The Sims. Okay. Where you are a little simulated person or simulated family, you build your own little house and your own little life, like a little avatar of you or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever you want to be like. And then you, uh, you know, you live out your life and you get a job and you like have children and you feed yourself and bathe yourself and do all this. Like, it sounds like probably someone who doesn't play video games, like this sounds retarded, but no, it's I actually, do all of this. My, like yeah. I do all this in my life. Why would I do yeah. this? Other? It's a good question. <laughs> yeah. If you're asking that question, it's a great question because I always hit that point when I play that game. I'm like, after a certain point, I'm like, why am I not just living my life this way? <laughs> why do I not just read books? <clears throat> <and> yeah. <laughs> so basically you can, you can educate your little sim. You can, you can make them smarter, make them more skilled. They can learn how to like play the guitar, get better socially, do all that stuff. Right. So, um, I, 
I play this game and I've played pretty much every generation of it. I play it for, you know, I'll play it for like a month or so, or maybe a few months and I'll play it very like a lot. And Mm -hmm. then I'll just put it down and I'll like almost never play it again until maybe they come with another one and then I'll do the same thing again. Yeah. Um, and I get my little fix of it and I move on. Right. But I'm always playing it in my Sims by the, by the, you know, by the first few weeks or the month or whatever of playing it, they're awesome. They're rock stars. They're like great at life. They're dating their life partner. They built a mansion. They're making lots of money. They just, <laughs> they're reading books. They're educated. They're just so awesome. Right. And they have children that are awesome. And those children have children that are awesome. And I've just created this whole lineage of amazing. Right. And, <clears throat> and, um, I always hit a point where I'm like, why don't I just live my life like this? Why am I playing this video game? Why don't I get off my ass and read a book and go for a run and do some stuff. And then I start doing that. I actually get super motivated from the game and I start like totally taking charge of my life. I, like even more than I have already. But I had this realization as I was a friend and I, we went for coffee one day and we were talking about it. And he was like, this is so interesting. He's like, cause he never really played the game. I was telling him, but he's like, I bet some people, they just like satiate their sim. They just totally like have them sit on the couch and watch TV all day. And like, just really make sure they feel good and are happy. And I was like thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, that probably does happen. You're probably right. And I was like, it's interesting because I play the game all about self-improvement goals. You know, that's my, my value, right? Yeah. And I project all that stuff onto the video game. So I get a certain experience of it. Other people might project their values of like comfort and feel good and like to be happy. Yeah. They don't care so much about learning and growing and achievement. So they project that onto their sim and they experience the game the way they model their life. And so what's really neat about it, it's a simulation game, but you get to, you get to have this really quick simulation of your life. And what it does is you can, you can actually, it's like, you're almost like a, like a God. You look at yourself from a third point, you know, a third person view and you see yourself. And what always happens to me is I always see myself and the character as a, as a basically uh, third, third person. And I look and I go, man, I just need to do what my character is doing in this game and I'll have everything I want and things will move forward. So then I, then I go do that. But I find that's an interesting, it's an interesting little thing, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. Cause that's one, like I'm, I never played it really much, um, myself, but I had <laughs> friends who, who played the Sims and I would, I would watch them play it sometimes just because, especially when it first came out, it was like a huge, it was a phenomenon. Yeah. Like it was kind of sweeping across and people are just like, Whoa, like, have you played this? And it is, it's very interesting. It's all, it's like parts like social experiment. (laughs) Yeah. Part like, and there is something very artful about it too, at the same time, because it does, it gives you a certain kind of an experience of living from an, an objective point of view. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily everyone will take it in that way either. Right. Which is again, why it's like, it's, it dives into that murky territory of, what is art? Well, totally. Even. It's like, what, like, what, like what constitutes this? Like, you know, for some people, they probably just played the Sims and they're like, yeah, okay. And then they got good at doing life and <laughs> whatever, what's next. Right. Yeah. And, and there's nothing much, but for other people, they have a very different experience of it. Just like with any other medium of, of art, like everybody has a very different experience of it and, and types of things that they gravitate towards. Like, you know, some people are big fans of, you know, the Renaissance. Some people really love expressionism or impressionism and they don't really give a shit about other forms of it. You know, it's like whatever speaks to them doesn't make any of the other ones less so of an art form 
at all. Right. So it's, it is, it still remains a subjective. The more that we talk about this and we're like, yeah, video games are, are completely art. Like how, like they meet pretty much all of the criteria of it. It's just, I think it's the way that, that people engage with it that has created this, this sort of this rift, this question. And people are just like, well, is it because like people are, are, because I think that this is what some people have argued about why video games aren't art is because art is supposed to be a very directed, you know, a lot of people see art as being, having to be a very directed thing. The Arthur, the, the, um, artist is supposed to be directing you towards a certain thing, a certain feeling or a a certain idea to, to communicate a certain, certain thing. And that's, I don't think that's necessarily always the case of it. You know, I, I think that there's been works that have been created that are meant to be somewhat confusing or to be interpreted in, in multiple ways, mm-hmm. uh, where you can have multiple opinions and neither of them are necessarily right or wrong, but ultimately there is some sort of a thought provoking experience out of it. I think it's the, uh, I think what you're referring to is the industry side of art. Like industry wants art to fit in a box. It wants it to be easy to understand, easy to consume. I want to know the point. I want to know the purpose. This is the point. This is the purpose. This is what you get. This is how we sell it. This is how we, this is why we give it to you. Yeah. And this is how you, this is how you, you induce it. This is how you take it in and you get it. And that's your art. Yeah. You know, that's what industry (laughs) wants to do. But artistry is more like, you know, I went out and I went to go do this thing, but then halfway along the way, I actually found out I was actually doing this thing. And then I started going down that road and all of a sudden I got sideswept because I realized, whoa, I just walked into territory. I didn't even realize I knew about. And now yeah. this is where I am. And that's how I created the art. And honestly, I don't really know what happened. <laughs> that's more like the my story of yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> so like art is like much more, um, you know, like the artistry side of video games is, the more open-ended version of it. I think like these, uh, open world games, like, you know, you want to take the grand thefts, grand theft autos, the, uh, uh, red dead redemption type style, you know, these sandbox type games, um, open world. I mean, nobody is going to experience those games exactly the same way because you can do like so much in those Mm -hmm. games. You can do pretty much anything you want. And so because you have that amount of freedom, the only part they can control somewhat is the plot line, like cinematics of the character storyline. But some people tell me they play like say Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption or something like that. And they won't even play the storyline. They're like, yeah, I just play the storyline just so I can move the character a little bit along so I can actually get more freedom to move around the world. But they don't really care about the story. Whereas other people are like, I love the story. The story is amazing. And that's what it's all about, mm-hmm. you know, and some people probably are, you know, various in the middle of that, but yeah. And yeah. there's, and then there's, there's certain games that come out and people don't even play like the, the story mm-hmm. of it. They just go straight into like the multiplayer, right? Where they go and they connect with people and they, they go and they shoot each other or <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. And, and I mean, there might even be something artful about that as well. I mean, it's, it's because there's so much design and orchestration that goes into that level as well, where it's just like, 
level. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, Evan. I you know, get I one know. more. <laughs> one more. That's it. <laughs> I'm not meaning to do this, I swear. Um, but they're designed in a way to create certain experiences. It's like, okay, you know, they're going to come through this place and then it's going to open up into this area where, where it creates a, a great environment for this type of thing to happen. It creates an interaction to occur, you know, in a different way than if you were in this part of, of this stage or in this level or whatever, like it's, so there's, there still is a shaping of experience that goes on there. And a lot of it sometimes is just for sheer enjoyment. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like, yeah, you're going to get in here. And when you get into this place, it's just going to be like a, an absolute free for all. And like, it, and it'll be great because it's been nothing but corridors for the last little bit through here. And I mean, there's a lot of artistry in that and that's shaping an experience in a, in a large, to a large degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some of, my favorite game experiences of recent memory have been from a a great developer called San Diego studio. And, uh, they did, uh, a game called, they've done three sort of smaller ish games. They did one called flow They did one called flower and they did one called journey and they are extraordinary. Like, pieces of art, like, and the first one, like flow was a very simple type of game that just somehow hypnotically just sort of pulled you into it. I I feel as though with their follow-up, it got to a larger degree, which was flower, which you were the wind like that. Yeah. (laughs) That's your character. You are, yeah, you are the wind and you go around you and you blow through like uh, flower petals and you pick up and, and you have this huge trail of flower petals. And then as you go along touching other flowers and, and moving through the environment, you, you color it and you bring it back to life and, and you fill it with, you know, grass and meadows and whatever. And it takes you on this whole, whole journey through it. There's no narrative really to it. It's not telling you a story, mm-hmm. but as you progress, you go through these different environments and by the end of it, like I was, I was actually emotional by the end of this game, which was very, very short, but it told this weird sort of story without even telling me a story. Mm. It just kind of gave me a very simple set of tools. And it's just like, move through this world and you move through this world. And by the end of it, I, had received this entire message about, you know, caring about the earth and like, it was shining a light on, on certain things that we're doing in our world. And how do you feel about, and it did that to me through an actual experience of me moving, moving through it and interacting and interacting with it. And then journey was the follow-up to that one, which was, Yeah, that was a really beautiful game. That was a really beautiful game too. I've played through that a few times and it's, that's like that. It just blows my mind. I can't wait to see what, what they come out with next because they just, they just continue to, um, expand my concepts as to what a video game can be Mm -hmm. and how it can have an impact. Yeah. I mean, I think so much, you know, so many video games fall into the box of your, this 
character, this guy, and you're, you know, or this girl or whatever, and you're walking through this world and it's very, um, you know, aligned with something that we're used to and we know and, and, and so on. And then a game like that comes along where your, your character is the wind. And it's something that's even hard for us to even understand when you, when you say that. Right. And, and, um, that's, I think the neat thing about art is like art can sometimes move outside of the box that we even know. And, uh, I think you don't always have to, um, you don't have to go that far. Uh, I think people do like to have things they can kind of connect to, you know, there's a certain rapport to having a character, but that's a person or something or a little cute little animal or something. Right. But, um, you know, these, these, these games, we kind of, we link into that character and we join and we're, we're kind of like walking through that. A couple of my favorite, uh, developers are Bethesda. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who do, uh, you know, Fallout and Oblivion and yeah. yeah. And all that, um, Skyrim. Um, and then, you know, Rockstar, which we've talked a lot about, um, well offline, I suppose, but these games, um, you know, these games are quite amazing. Like they, uh, you know, just, uh, from Bethesda, like you can walk through the world of these, like essentially RPGs, which, you know, you develop your characters, you go through in the part of the game is really, um, and these, these types of games do really, really well where you have to develop your character. And as your character gets more experience through the game, they become better. They become better at doing various tasks and you kind of like upgrade them and, and mm-hmm. then they become pretty badass by the time you're near the end of the game. Right. And which is what actually allows you to beat the game. And if you don't develop your character, you, you know, it's, you, you can't. And, um, the more you develop them, them, the easier it is to complete later parts in it. Right. Yeah. It's, um, kind of a good model, like even for life, you know, like if you want to be, if you want to achieve your goals in life at the end of the day, you just need to be more and more badass, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So these games, I think, you know, they, they do well. Plus you kind of get really enrolled in the idea of developing your character. But what's really neat about what Bethesda does is you're walking through this game and say fallout, which is basically a game where, um, nuclear war has happened. And now you've walked out of a, you know, a vault um, that you've grown up in and you're into this toxic wasteland and you're trying to figure out how to survive and like function in this world. And what you find out is that people have been living out here and species have been living out there and functioning in this wasteland. And so you can pick up anything. You find a a burnt book. You can pick that up. You find a wrench on the ground. You can pick that up. You don't know what you use it for, but you can pick it up and you can, you can only carry so much stuff. So at a certain point, you know, you're weighed down. So you got to like discard things. And what's really funny about this game is like when you first start, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to pick up that. I'm going to pick up this. I'm going to pick up everything. And it's not too long before you like have a whole bunch of junk that you don't need. So you start throwing stuff away, you know, like you leave a pile of crap on the ground (laughs) and like you start realizing like, well, Hey, like there's some dangers out here and I need to hunt. So I might need a rifle, you know, and like, it's probably good to keep that around, but like, maybe I don't need this burnt book. You know what I mean? Cause I can't <laughs> even read it. You know what I mean? So like, anyway, you're interacting with the world, but because it's so open, it's an open-ended world. And because you can pick up just about everything, it feels like very free and you really kind of experience this world they put you in mm-hmm. and Skyrim's like that. And you know, oblivion and all this, um, 
and plus you get to fully kind of like design your character. You get to, uh, and then after you've designed what they look like and, and all that, and in some of these other games like Skyrim, you design even their species. Like there's different species. you can Yeah. Make. And in a way that there's some, cause yeah, character creation is like a huge thing in, in games. And well, there's an art in that. You actually there become is. an artist in the game yeah. by like artistically creating your character. It becomes kind of like a reflection of yourself. Yeah. You know, your own little avatar, yeah. you know, in, in this world to, to move and operate and, and do whatever there is to do. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's neat because even within the art of video games, they allow the player to become an artist in some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really very cool. Plus there's other games where, you know, well, games like that as well, but there's games where there's not like one single way to complete the mission. For example, a game I really enjoyed when I was younger was Hitman, where you had to basically make an assassination on various people. Right. Um, but you never had to make the assassination like one way. Like you could find this point and then like snipe them from like through a window from really far, or you could like sneak up into their room and like strangle them with a wire or something. You know, you can just do, it's very violent. It's yeah. like you're an assassin. Okay, well, it's but. called Hitman. I mean, I mean. <laughs> But I mean, you know, basically you could, you could be artistic in your approach to achieve the same goal. And, um, actually Hitman has come out now with just a series of episodes with a whole variation of ways to basically make an assassination on the same character. So people are basically right now, um, Hitman's model is to basically just sell out one-off episodes and you buy the episode and then you find, you know, all these various ways to achieve the goal, which is basically assassinate this bad dude. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, tell me that's not art, you know, tell me that's not being creative. Tell me that's not allowing the player to become a participant, a a creator in the whole process. Absolutely. It does. The only thing is like it, it, that I would say to that is like, it's like, okay, so what's like, but what is the, emotional depth, the emotional depth, or what is, what is the message being communicated? Well, that's where things get into a fuzzy area. That's where things get a little bit (laughs) fizzy because like if I will say, I mean, but this, I will say that this is not just a problem in video games, like necessarily. I mean, is, is it a problem? I don't know. I kind of think it's a, maybe a bit of something that we should look at as a society, but I mean, there's so much violence in a lot of video games. And, um, it's very violence. It's very violence, like directed for, for a large part. And and now things are starting to change. Like there's a lot more different types of experiences that are available for people, but, um, it's the same thing in, in media, like other media art forms, like television and film. It's still very much violence derived. Mm -hmm. Even the news is violence derived. So, yeah, you know, and so it's, but yeah, there is a large degree of that within video games. It's like things are solved by, you know, killing. killing. <laughs> yeah. Which you is know, kind of like, and we talked a little while ago about like the, this sort of the moral, like, do we have a moral sort of obligation as, as artists in, in what we do? And I mean, video games are still a very new form of art. Um, and really, I think only just starting to find its legs as an art form. Whereas I think the focus before it's like, well, you know, they're fun and they're a good way to pass the time and like whatever. Right now I think it's, um, you know, there's, 
not that there was an art in creating these sort of fun, engaging, you know, entertaining experiences for people. But now there's, uh, I think it's gone to a deeper level where they, where developers are trying to understand that there is an emotional impact to people uh, and that there can be a thought provoking impact in the medium now. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, okay, so what can we do with that? What, where can, what kind of experiences can we give people that people will be interested in participating with? Right. Um, and well, that's finding the a way because like, it's so ingrained in violence, even from, from the very beginning, like it was, there was very much a lot of violence going on in video games. I don't know. Well, it's, I mean, that's the key. People got to want to engage with it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people played flower. I don't know how many, I don't know either, but I, I know a hell of a lot of people played modern warfare. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that's the industry side of it. Industry wants the thing that's going to sell the most, not necessarily the thing that's the most thought provoking and moving. Yeah. And that's why these discussions are happening. You know, why are we talking about artistry and industry? And, um, you know, industry doesn't really care about the message, just that they sell enough copies of this thing. Um, I think artistry, well, there's a lot of money that goes into it. I mean, yeah. I think video games are a bigger business than movies are like, yeah. but they're like, it's like four or five times the size, you know, movies are something like a $10 billion industry every year. I should have gone into something video like games. that. Um, damn you, mom and dad, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a $10 billion industry, um, per year in North America. Yeah. Is my understanding. And video games are like 40, 50 billion dollars a year only industry. Okay. It's it, but it was, that was the last figure I ever saw a few years ago. And, Which was in and it had been, and it still been <laughs> just kidding. It's still been growing <laughs> at that point. So I mean, it's, it's massive for, for us, like, and it's not just this thing because like we grew up with, there's kind of a stigma around video games yeah. where it was just like, Oh, video games, are something that we just sort of like do on our own, but we don't really talk about it. Yeah. You weren't, you, you weren't really able to talk about it. Cause back when we were younger, it was like the nerds played video games now. Yeah. Like, you know, now like everybody plays video games, like, and, and like the cool kids play video games. Like it's, and it's like, if you're not playing the video games, you're not cool. You know, it's like, um, if you don't know about it, you're like out of the loop, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's funny how it has evolved, right? Like it's, um, and I think the thing is, is like now, um, video games are only going to integrate into our society more and they're going to be used in really neat ways too. They're not just going to be for entertainment. Like there's going to be video games in the future, which, you know, call them what you will, but you could actually, um, you know, you'll probably be able to do surgery on say like, um, heart surgery in a video game and it will be like VR and you'll literally be there and you'll do the surgery properly. Yeah. Like you'll literally be learning how to be a surgeon, but in a virtual world. I mean, it's unbelievable. What's like where we're headed. Right. Yeah. And so to call video games and like, and, and like they just, they, there's no way anyone can give them stigma anymore. And I think like the, you know, the Ebert generation, the, the older generation, the baby boomers and, and before that, um, they didn't understand it because it wasn't something that they started with. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, now younger kids, like, uh, you know, they, like they have cell phones. Like when I was a kid, we never had a cell phone, you know, like, and, and 
there's good things about that. But then there's other things like, you know, your parents didn't always know where you were. Was good for you as a kid. Maybe not so good for the parents. I don't know. But now like kids, you know, well, you have your cell phone, so you better check in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is a different, like we're interacting different. This technology is uh, playing a part in everything. But video games are a technology that have integrated into our society, and it's undeniable at this point. Oh, completely. I yeah. mean, they're they're not going away. No. Any any time soon. I mean, they're here to stay. Totally. As um as a form of art and entertainment. Yeah. You know, both of them completely, hundred percent. So I'm curious for you, uh, what other games for you besides Flower? were something that moved you and, and what, like, and, and where do you see the art in it? Um, I mean, there was, uh, there was, um, a, a couple of games from another developer who I really like. Um, they did a game called, uh, Ico or Ico, however it's said exactly. I don't know. And there was, and they did another one called Shadow of the Colossus, which just had, again, it was just like extraordinary storytelling, um, in a very simple way, like without it being over, over the, I mean, also I was a big fan of, um, Metal Gear Solid. Oh yeah. Back in the day, that was, that was just like, that was, a, that was another game changer for me. Um, Resident in, in Evil of, was a big one for me too. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I never got big into the, I've never been like crazy about horror films either. Right. So, um, I was never big into horror games either. You know, it was just like, no, I, I just, I, I just didn't get anything of great value out of having the shit scared out of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was just with, um, some of the games like, um, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, it was just like, for one, like they were just, and they're, they still are stunning games to look at, even though they're a couple of generations old at this point, they just, they were so gorgeous to look at and the art direction and the art style of it was phenomenal. And they, they were very simple in the way that they told the story, but it was so effective they didn't tell you everything that was going on. You were just sort of given enough pieces and then you were left to move through these worlds and perform these tasks and have these sorts of feelings about what it was that you're doing. Like, um, like I remember from, from eco, like just the sheer terror of, trying to save this girl who you don't really know anything about, but you've been literally taking her by the hand. Like in the game, you've got to like, for big chunks of it, you got to either call her to come over to you while you're figuring out how to get out of some place, calling her to you, or you have to go and grab her hand and pull her along. Meanwhile, there's these weird shadowy creatures that are coming out that are trying to take her away, mm-hmm. you know? And like, whenever they would come up, it's just like my, my heart would just start racing and be like, Oh God. And cause like, you're just, you play this kid. Yeah. You play just this you're little so kid vulnerable. with like a stick. Yeah. You're so vulnerable in it. And, and, and so it just, it creates all of these sorts of emotion. Then it was just this incredible story that you, you piece together somewhat for yourself 
and you don't really know why at the end of it, you feel so attached to these characters. You just do mm-hmm. like, you're just, you're attached to them. And then they did a similar thing with shadow of the Colossus as well, where they just give you some imagery and you see a little bit of what's happening. And then you then go out on this quest in this world, in this weird sort of world where there's not much life in it. And you travel these vast distances and then you hunt down these giant creatures, like these very fantastic mythical creatures. And you've got to like climb up on them. Cause you're, again, you're very small and very vulnerable and you've got to kill these monsters. Right. And you don't know exactly why you're doing it. You have a vague sense of why you're doing it. And you get to a point where, at least for myself and my experience of it, I was just like, what am I doing? Like, why am I killing these creatures? Right? Mm -hmm. Like they, these things aren't running amok on the world or anything like that. Like I'm just going out and I'm killing these things. And I had, it, it made me feel a sort of a moral, like question of what I was doing, Mm. but I couldn't not continue through to see what the story was going to unfold and, and what it was going to say. And it didn't even answer all of the questions, but it pointed enough to sort of the circumstance of what was happening and left you in a kind of a gray void of how to feel about the whole thing. Hmm. And it's like, but it's so cool, right? Like, it's just like, that's what an extraordinary experience, um, to be evoked. Like easily those were two games that had more of a, a powerful, emotional thought provoking impact on me than a majority of films that I see. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you brought that up because I was actually going to bring something related to that, which was, I think is, um, you know, as we advance as a culture and evolve and build our humanity, we might not want the same types of video games as much. Um, because, you know, I, I remember it was a few years back. Um, you know, and I started, I just, you know, I was doing a lot of personal growth work as you know, in a personal development program and, um, you know, it's doing a lot of work on myself and my humanity and my empathy and whatnot. And I remember there was this game I was playing. I don't really remember which one it was, but I remember I actually went through this period where I didn't want to play it. I just didn't want to play it anymore because I knew I had to go through the game and kill people. And I had to, to progress. And I just, I wasn't finding the joy and I was empathizing too much with the people. And, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know it's a video game. I know they're not real people, but what was really interesting is like, you know, I was really, um, developing more empathy and, um, with that empathy, the game became less fun. And so, um, you know, there's games, which I really enjoy. Like I really enjoy games like Metal Gear Solid and, um, especially the newer uncharted ones. Um, the newer ones more so yeah. you can go through them and you don't necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily have to kill you, you could actually, and it's harder, but you could sneak by. And, and, um, I think the thing is, is like, you know, Oh, someone's knocking at my door. Um, (laughs) well, do you want me to go and check that out? No. Um, that's interesting. It's never happened before. Um, maybe I will go answer the door and we'll just pause the podcast for a moment, a moment. 
All right, everyone, we're back. Answer <laughs> the door. Yeah. Solicitor got into my apartment <laughs> and wanted to sell me shit, which has never happened, and I've been here for years. Um, no soliciting in this building, but today... Today there was. They broke in. They broke into the Fort Knox of my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and I was talking previously about uh, just... Um, you know, the humanity in, in video games and my experience of, uh, you know, not wanting to kill characters and so are you and stuff. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if that side of video games is necessarily going to go away. Uh, but I do think that there's going to be a market of people who want video games, but don't want to have to shoot people all the time and kill people and murder them. Yeah. You know, and I think that, um, there's video games that have been coming out recently, which have been more, you know, adventure based and, um, exploration and yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously like, um, very, um, uh, just totally different games. Like, um, you know, the one you were saying where you're the wind, what was that one called? Flower? Flower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Flower. Yeah. And then also, I mean, I don't know if people will ever have any problem with, you know, killing zombies. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think the thing with zombies is like, um, you can, you know, you can disconnect from them as being, you know, human. I think it's hard. I think, I think where people sometimes struggle with the, with that is when there's, you know, and I think with some of these zero games, they make the bad guys so bad that it's like, okay, well, if they're bad enough, then I don't care so much about killing them. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, movies have been doing that and video games have been doing that forever. But, um, you know, I, I do, I, maybe it's just me, maybe it's just my hopeful attitude, but I do think that we are building more humanity every day in uh, society. I think people are beginning to be more empathetic and considerate of each other. Maybe that's just my projection on the world, but I, I think that people want options that are not just like black and white. And I think cinema is representing that now. Like if you look at like bad guys of like eighties movies were like just bad, you know, but now bad guys are kind of like, well, you know, the bad guy doesn't necessarily, they have like a story. They have like a reason, you know, they're still human being. They're not just evil. Yeah. A lot of the time. One of the, um, sort of most interesting endings to a movie I've seen recently was in, um, an animated, it was part animated, part puppeteering. Uh, and I think part stop motion or something. It was Kubo and the two strings. Really cool movie. Really cool movie. I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but it had an, it had an ending because it had definitely like a very villainous bad guy in it. But the ending was very different from what you would normally expect. Um, which ended up as a result communicated a very interesting message behind it. Hmm. You know, they say like with, within storytelling, usually your theme is communicated in the way that you resolve the dilemma of your character. Right. Um, and so that was like, when I saw the, saw the ending in this particular film, it sucks that I can't really, cause I really don't want to ruin it cause it's too recent of a movie and I don't want to blow that one. Usually it's like the only time I'll, hit people with spoilers is if it's something that's so old <laughs> yeah that yeah. if you haven't seen it whatever <laughs> yeah we don't we don't want to ruin your experience of listening to the podcast and spoil movies for you what was the title of it again 
Kubo and the Two Strings. So go see the movie and then, uh, you know, and then you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. It's really fantastic stuff. <laughs> but yeah, it had a, it had a very different types of type of ending of a bad guy who was a little bit more complex than, than what has often been done in film. Although I feel like eighties was the eighties was sort of like this weird, this weird, like section of time, maybe a little bit into the nineties of like these action movies, especially where like the villains were just like the biggest douchebags, <laughs> like they're just like evil, like just like soullessly evil people who just yeah. like, they're just horrible. Yeah. Like there's no humanity to them whatsoever. Like there was no real story of like how they got to be how they were. It was just like, nope, they're just big piles of shit and they deserve to die. <laughs> right. Like, was, but you know, like that's, I guess how these films needed to work in a way. Cause if you had any sort of compassion whatsoever, then you couldn't possibly explain all of like the, the murderous, the murderous <laughs> destruction that our hero goes on. Right. Yeah. Where it's just like, it's all right that he's just killed like a thousand people yeah. because they were all terrible. Yeah. He's not a terrorist. He's yeah. A freedom fighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess video games had to go through that progression too, in some ways, you know, as they were finding, uh, access to the new medium they went through their own little 80s period where it was just like, yeah, just kill the bad guys and they're bad and they're evil. And, uh, you know, and then it's, you know, now, you know, a lot of games are, um, uh, doing things where you have an option to kill, but you don't have to. And the play, it's up to the player's discretion, which I think is, um, kind of more the way these types, a lot of these games are going. I mean, things like modern warfare, first person shooter type things where it's like military, you know, you're, you know, those are designed to basically, you know, shoot them up kind of games. And that's what people want. And, and, uh, they don't want to think about the empathy of killing another person, you know, it's also, um, you know, there's the whole argument, which I guess this is venturing into, you know, like do video games turn people into killers, you know, like, and I think that's something we can talk about a little bit you know, too, because I mean, I, I don't, I don't really think so. I think that, um, they do have effects, but I think it's, um, I don't think you can blame art. I think what we need to work on is humanity, not the necessarily the art. I think yeah. if we were a ethical, humanitarian, empathetic society, we could make any art we wanted. It wouldn't matter because we would have the groundwork inside of us to interpret it how we needed yeah. to. And so blaming art is like an excuse for your own lack of self-development. Yeah. And, and I think there's been enough psychological studies on video games that have pretty, pretty much like shown that it's like, it's actually not making people violent. In fact, it's in some studies it has shown that it has an opposite effect to that. Um, and that people who have been violent and, and, also as it coincided that, that with that they played violent video games i mean there was there's typically some evidence that there was like there was a lot of other issues behind that as well i mean video games do not set them off i mean you know the, the um who was people blame the beatles for the um the char the Char charlie manson murders back in the 70s 
you know, because he was listening to the white album over and over and over again. And I think he even said that he was hearing like messages to kill people in the white album. And so people were saying that the white album was like this evil. It drove, it's driving people to kill. And it's like, well, no, Charlie Manson was, a was an extraordinarily disturbed individual, mm-hmm. you know, who probably would have done it listening to ABBA if that's what it, you know, like it was, it had nothing necessarily to do with that. I mean, you're talking about somebody who is already very, very disturbed at that point. So yeah. it's because I know for myself and I mean, I grew up, you know, with a brother who played video games with friends who played video games, we all played the same games. Right. And, you know, I always had the context of, I'm not going to, you know, I played a fighting game or I played a, you know, a shooter or something. I'm not going to go and just start punching people in the face and shooting guns and killing people. Like that was never even entered the equation whatsoever. Like at any, any point in time. Um, with that said, I mean, we recently had a conversation on like, do we have some sort of an ethical obligation, um, as artists, you know, like, is this, like, is it necessarily making people do this? No, but is it, is it swaying people? Is it moving our culture away from, from violence? Maybe not. Right. That's another conversation to be had there as well. Well, but again, video games aren't the only culprit of, of that, you know, like so many other mediums are, are involved in, in, in the expression of violence. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, violence has permeated our culture. It's, um, it's something that we, we actually, you know, say what you will. We actually live in a, in a, in a violent culture where violence is actually, um, adored. Um, you know, we watch things like, you know, UFC fighting and we watch these action movies, kill them, shoot them up. Um, yet we're not allowed to watch, um, things around sex and stuff like that. You know, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And there's all these like taboos you're not allowed, but like violence is this thing where it's like, Oh yeah, no, it's okay to watch someone get their head blown off and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, there is an effect. I mean, it's not like it's the culprit, but it is a participant in the whole thing. I mean, when I, I remember when the grand theft, grand theft auto came out and it was like, I think it was the first, it was released for like PlayStation two, maybe, or something like that but it was, um, the open world one. It was really like great graphics and whatnot. Oh, was it the first one that made the jump to 3d? Yeah, I think because the was grand, th- the first grand theft auto yeah. games were like a top down. Yeah. Like, I think it was you... the first one that went to 3d. Yeah. It was grand theft auto three. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that yeah. was it. So, um, I remember, uh, my friend and I, um, we, you know, I played it and we were talking about it and I remember I went and picked him up from his house and then we were driving to someplace and I remember whipping through traffic and I felt kind of like I was in the game. I was driving a little bit like I was in the game. I wasn't crazy, but I was weaving in and out of traffic you yeah. know, a little, um, not obviously not driving on the wrong side of the lane or like, you know, but, um, actually a cop pulled me over, you know? And, uh, and he's like, yeah, he's like, well, he's like, I'm going to give you a ticket. Cause you were, you know, you were, you, you know, I watched you weave in between like three or four cars here. He's like, it's not good. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I remember thinking like, yeah, that game, I was kind of doing that cause I was like kind of in the mode of that game. So it did impact me. Right. Um, so I think these games do impact, but here's another thing. Okay. I was speeding my car around. Okay. I didn't really think I would hurt anybody. I was kind of maybe having a little fun. I was a teenager, 
you know, but, um, teenagers are going to do stuff like that regardless. If they get an idea, they're going to do it. I mean, especially young boys, right? And I'm not making an excuse, but if I watched someone get murdered on a show, I had no inclination to go murder somebody. Like I could, I could gather that that was not like something I wanted to do, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because, you know, uh, we do live in a, in a society where not everybody has, um, necessarily strong mental health. And, uh, we have a lot of people who didn't have really good mentors and people growing up at the same time. I don't know if you want to, I don't think you can put all the blame on the artist who creates the the design. I think you've got to put, um, it's a responsibility for everyone and for us to say, well, the art's at fault. It's like, maybe we need to, maybe instead of like, um, kind of quieting the voice of art, we need to raise our humanity to a level where we know not to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, I just say like when I was speeding there and, uh, weaving in and out of cars and I got that speeding ticket, I was just a dumb young kid. You know, I was just dumb, having fun, whatever. I didn't realize that that could be dangerous at the time. To me, it didn't seem dangerous. It seemed fine. Yeah. In fact, I didn't really, I don't remember really thinking about the other drivers and how that might've affected them. I just remember thinking like, I'm good. I'm in control. I'm going to have some fun. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe like, you know, I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody, but, but maybe part of that is because our culture doesn't really facilitate us really thinking about others as much. It makes us, you know, um, you know, we think a lot about ourselves. We're very ego based culture. And so that's part of the problem why we do silly things. We act out. Um, but I think most people know, don't steal you know, we learn these things young. Don't steal. Don't hurt anybody. Don't, you know, whatever. Well, and hopefully. Yeah. Most know, of us, this shit. Yeah. most of us, I think learn that, but there's always going to be people who grew up in abusive homes and they grew up with neglect and they grew up with stuff like that and they just don't get it. And, um, there's plenty of art out there already. There's plenty of resources out there already for them to, uh, gain access to getting these ideas. Um, but yeah, I think we do need to be mindful as artists, you know, but art, you know, video games, obviously they have effects, but I think that video games for me in the most part, they've allowed me to express something and then I don't need to go express it in the real world because I got to express in the video game and I got that release. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got to just let that go and then I can move on. And it's a little bit like a punching bag. You know, those first person shooters, they're like a punching bag. You just, you go out, you shoot some guys, you're like, good, I feel better whatever, you know, and it's not even that you even, you're playing it cause you want to like kill somebody, but it's just like, I just want to beat this other player in this multi-level or like, uh, you know, yeah, you just need to kind of like, you just need thing. to kind of get some aggression out yeah. sometimes, you know, yeah. and it's, um, and a video game can be a safe place to do that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a safe playground, right? The problem is when people take it outside of that safe playground and try to apply it to real life. But yes, I mean, we just can't, you know, nobody can control anybody no. from doing Well, that. I mean, cause you know, as we're getting into this side of the conversation, I mean, I think of, you know, like in, um, I know like in Australia, a lot of, uh, video games are banned. Like, certain ones, especially a lot of like the Rockstar stuff, the Grand Theft Autos and, and a number of others, like these titles are released and they're banned. You can't, you can't even buy it in, in Australia. And when I see that, I'm like, well, I don't like, I understand what the idea is behind it, but I don't think that that's the solution either. I mean, you're, you're stripping away people's, you know, you're stripping away people's liberties 
that way to, to look at something, to see something, to share in something. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's right either. I think that's in some ways it's making the situation worse. I mean, you could argue perhaps that it's an attempt to change our culture, you know, as one of being like, well, Hey, like violence is not something we want to promote. It's not something that we want to encourage. So we're just not going to engage with it at the same time. You're, you know, anytime you, as history has shown, you prohibit something, you kind of give it a certain type of power Mm -hmm. as well. You know, when, and this is where education, I think comes in, you know, at, at so many different levels, but I mean, it, it's always about education. Like, uh, with so many of these, the problems that we have, like you look at drug issues, so let's not go down this road too far, but I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a lot of people are saying, well, the war on drugs is ridiculous. How much money has this, this cost us? How many lives has it cost us? And it's like when, you know, most, and I think that eventually at some point, this will be the case for most countries in the world where, you know, all drugs will be legalized. I think that that's, that's the only logical solution because clearly it's not working the way it is now. And the best thing to do is to educate people better on what's going on to give help to people is a better solution as opposed to, someone having to go to a street corner because they have an addiction problem because they come from an abusive home. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, whereas and then they do it in secret and no one knows about it. Yeah. And that's how they end up, you know, and then, and then people fall through the cracks and these, and these things happen as opposed to, well, Hey, it's like, our and, and you can say some of the same things with, um, I mean, there's, you can abuse just about anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can abuse drugs, you can abuse food you can abuse alcohol. You can abuse video games, mm-hmm. right? Like you can, you can abuse them and, and they can in, in a certain circumstance and person, they can be destructive things. Does that mean that we all have to stop and, and we can't engage with this medium anymore because, because of this issue? No, but it just means that we have to, I think, open our awareness that, to problems that are going on in, in our world, that these things are having this impact. And the problem is not the thing itself. That's just a, that's just a symptom. It's, it's a deeper issue in, in people who are not getting, um, the help people who are not, um, getting the, the education. Yeah. Um, as to what this is, you know, because like for myself, you know, even though, my parents didn't like it when me and my brother played violent video games. They didn't stop us either, you know, but they did a good job in like, you know, looking after us and making sure we were being decent people. Yeah. And, and I mean, you turned out te- fine. Teaching us right and like wrong. Two or three people. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. and they deserved it. <laughs> yeah, you know, so. they were, they were evil eighties villains. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did we go, did we go dark, man? <laughs> <laughs> I know for a conversation. Like, yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk, talk about, about video yeah. games. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm done with the ethical side of video games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't want to do any more of that. I, I, um, but let's, but, it, but just a w- one last point on that. I mean, just sort of another thing in this whole argument of, are they, are they, 
art or not. I mean, this is something that's also brought up in other artistic mediums right. of ethics and stuff. I mean, so it's still part of that whole conversation as well. Yeah. No, you, you know, you're right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, once we start, uh, once we start limiting free speech, once we start limiting creativity and expression, um, I think there's a lot of trouble that comes with that. I mean, you know, right now we live in a world where you can't talk about things openly because you'll get in trouble and you'll be, you know, and we've, we've, uh, we've all participated in a world that is, um, you know, allowed to judge each other and make each other wrong. And, um, instead of having empathy and going, Oh, well, what, you know, it's interesting. You think that way, like, I, I don't agree with it, but why do you think that way? You know? And, um, I think like with, um, with video games, they give, uh, the player a chance to try something sometimes where they would never do it in their real life, but they get to like, let it out. And once it's out of the system and once you've expressed it, you kind of don't have the desire anymore. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, it's less of a, there's less of a curiosity, less of a wonder. I think games like Grand Theft Auto, I mean, it sounds wild to say this, but I think they're such good, um, there's such good games in the sense that, you know, you rob a bank. I'm never going to rob a bank. I mean, it's just the dumb idea yeah. in my opinion, <laughs> right? I mean, it just like the, 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 the cons are way out, outweigh the pros, you know? Um, but in this game, you get to go through a little bank robbery. You do it, you know, whatever. And you get to experience it and try it out and whatever. And you kind of like get to interact with the movie and you're like kind of the actor or the player in the whole thing. Um, you know, and, and, and you, you do it and you go, Oh, okay. And it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe other people experience it differently, but I find like there's an elation. I kind of like, go, okay, great. I did. That was fun. Like, you know, it was kind of a fun little part of the game and now I'm not going to do it. You know, um, maybe other people interpret it differently, but I actually think repression creates more desire to do something. Yeah. You know, when I was, when I was uh, a teenager, you know, my parents split up. I, um, you know, I was, checking out a lot of different, uh, religions and philosophies and things like that. And I found that the people who were the most repressed usually by their religion were the ones that were, when they were not at the church, they were acting out like, ugh, like, just like they were the worst, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's like, cause you're repressed and there's this, you can't do it. And cause you can't do it. You want to do it more. And I mean, we all been a, a teenager, you're defiant. Mm-hmm. you know? And, and so then it becomes a secret. And, you know, like, like I remember, uh, like with my parents, um, you well, know, somewhat you... liberal. So you could, like, I could tell them, like, I could, I could talk to my parents. I could say like, Hey, so, you know, this is kind of m- my relationship, whatever. And it was okay for the most part. Um, whereas my one friend, I remember him, he couldn't talk about it. So now everything between him and his parents became a secret. And yeah. so like, why do you want to build a relationship of secrets? Cause they're doing it anyway. Yeah. Well, because the thing is like, and and a lot of times is at that level, I mean, you're, there's so much these secrets and, and you feel, um, so much shame about it just because you thought about it. You didn't even have to do anything. Sure. It's just like, you just feel shame. And now you're keeping that secret because you don't want anybody to know because you feel like they're just going to make it worse. And now it's just being hidden down. And now you feel like you're alone with this thing and you can't share it with anybody. You can't, you can't talk to anybody about it. Right. And it just, it just keeps on feeding it and feeding it and feeding it until it becomes some sort of, you know, and it becomes some sort of a, 
uh, fetishized, fantasized thing that that often then ends up becoming expressed in a harmful way. Yeah. 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 As opposed to if it had just been discussed and and talked about and brought out into the open, you can you can get to the problem at its source, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, sometimes people don't necessarily always have a safe place to do that either. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say when it comes to, you know, when it comes to the ethical side of video games, I definitely don't have all the answers. I, you know, I don't know necessarily what's best or what, but it, you know, the only thing that I can really close this side of the conversation off with is that I think repression is destructive. I think it creates more problem than it ever helps. And I think freedom of speech and openness and acceptance and a willingness to hear and understand someone regardless of what they have to say is the ultimate answer to, um, actually allowing expression and allowing people to work through their stuff. If people have to do things in secret, it's usually going to be a lot worse than if they do it openly. If, if, if they can talk about it openly, they can work it out and they can interact with someone. Um, the other thing is, you know, I saw an ad once, um, you know, and it, it was like, it was, um, basically the, the, the slogan on it said, do you want, um, it was a bunch of like young, like, you know, kind of, I don't know what the best word to describe is like deadbeat teenagers, you know, just like kind of rough teenagers. Right. And it was like, do you want to tell your parents about drugs or do you want to tell your kids about drugs? Or do you want these kids to tell your kid about drugs? Yeah. And it's like, that's, what's going to happen. If you repress them and they're not allowed to talk to you, they're going to go and they're going to talk to these people. They're going to talk to people who don't know people without experience, people without wisdom. So it's much better if we have an open culture because it's much better if people can just talk to someone with wisdom and say, Hey, you know, I'm really angry at this person. And I just like, I just want to punch them, you know, and then you can go to that and you go, okay, all right. Well, you know, I've been there, you know, so what's that going to do? Well, well, I feel like it'll get me even. And then you can talk it out, you work it out. And then by the end of it, mm-hmm. after you talk to someone with wisdom, they're going to be like, you know, okay, you know what? Yeah, I don't need to punch them. Maybe they were just upset and maybe they didn't realize they hurt my feelings. Okay. You know, whatever. Where you go to your, your buddy who's the same age as you and you're a teenager and you're like, I want to punch this guy in the face. So you, yeah, do it, man. Punch him. Yeah. He's a dick. Yeah. You know, and that's the <laughs> advice you get back, right? Yeah. So, like, I've seen that before. <laughs> oh my God. So like repression, <laughs> like repression is like basically saying, you know what? Don't talk about it. It's bad. And then you let the blind lead the blind. And then you, you wonder why you have problems, you know? And I think, um, video games are an outlet, which people use for violence right now to express cause they have anger. They have angst. Like, you know, we live in this culture where we walk around and pretend like people aren't angry. It's such bullshit. You yeah. know how many people are angry? People are fucking furious underneath what they present. Yeah. You know, all these smiles, all this bullshit, people are sad people are oh, yeah. angry. There's, we have a, an epidemic of depression going on, which is hidden sadness and hidden anger. And turned so what, inwards. it's turned inwards. Yeah. What we need is we need to allow that to come out. We need to allow people to express and for it to be okay. There's all these videos coming out online right now. I know we're off the video game thing a little bit, but it's actually related. Yeah, no, I get uh, it. Um, where all these men 
are, um, and I think it's in Australia or something, but they're, they're like crying on video and they're like, it's, it's takes courage to cry. And uh, a lot of these videos are pointing out how many men commit suicide. It's staggering. Yeah. Well, I mean, on, as of us recording this episode, like, I don't know when this will, this will go live, but I mean, this is, it's November, um, right now, which is Movember, which is, um, all about men's, um, men's health issues of all, of all kinds. Right. Um, and I think, which is why we're seeing some of this stuff come out now. And a, a movie that I've talked about before is, um, uh, the mask, the mask you live in or the mask we live in the mask we wear mask we live in. Yeah. Mask we live in. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. The mask. We, oh man. It's something like that. The mask yeah. we wear, the mask you No, I think it's the mask you live in. And, um, yeah, it's about, it's about the, you know, it's about men and men's, you know, sort of mental health and, and our sort of paradigms that we try and fit in and, and what it is for us and, and our conflicts around this whole thing of, of being men. And, um, men are still very much, uh, although I think that maybe that is changing now. I think men are still somewhat the dominant video game players that are out there, but I was startled because this is a very new documentary and basically like it showed that like eight or nine in 10 young men, like teenagers are angry, are just so angry, Hmm. you know? And, um, and, and it's, this can provide some kind of an, an outlet for people, but I mean, it's, um, I don't know what we're, what well, this kind the, of came video, out of, video but. games are an outlet. I mean, I think that's what we're pointing at. I mean, but art throughout history has always been an outlet. You know, there's, yeah. um, there's like art has been an outlet. Like you go and you saw a, a play in the theater back in the day and it gave you an outlet. It gave you a chance to experience the, um, the interaction of the characters and, you know, ideally the, the actors, the players, you know, they were, they, they honored it and they, and they were connected to it. And so the audience would go and they, and, and apparently, um, uh, there were the reactions of the audience were very vocal back then. You know, people were very expressive about how they felt about something. And it was, the theater was a place where people were allowed to let it out. And now we live in this, in this, um, we live in a, in a society where you're not really allowed to express yourself. Yeah. You know, you're not allowed to be angry or sad. And like, if a woman's angry, she's a bitch. And if a guy's angry, he's, uh, you know, he's aggressive and he's a jerk, you know, but we live in this society where we can't, or rep- sometimes it means he's powerful and in sometimes. control. Yeah. Right. Which is also kind of a, well, brief. that's also another confusion of the whole emotion. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, this whole thing of like, um, uh, you know, not letting people let stuff out and, and, uh, us all trying to be like, we all need to be calm. We all need to be cool. It's like people are not calm and cool. People act calm and cool, but we're not calm and cool. Yeah. You know, in video games, I think people, they, they, they go home, they play some video games, they express their stuff and then they can feel relief and they can go out in the world and they can kind of be calm and cool. They don't have to hide so much. Yeah. And I think that's what sometimes video games are a good outlet for. They can be a punching bag. Yeah. 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 
I don't know if that lends itself to the art conversation of it all, but you know, it's, um, well, art, you know, maybe, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's art is, uh, it allows it, you know, it's about experience, right? And so, um, I think like a game, like, you know, people get judgmental of these first person shooters. Now I'm not saying everybody should go and play a first person shooter, you know, some, some game like that, but these games are a little bit like a punching bag. You know, you get to, you know, you get to let out some angst, let out some aggression, walk away from that. No one's hurt. You had some fun. You let it out. You move on all good. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe, you know, and I don't know, like, uh, you know, I'm not this, I don't know the data behind all this, but maybe it's the person who's not, who doesn't have an outlet. Who's the one that's sitting in their basement without an outlet, you know, um, with their gun thinking about shooting a whole bunch of people, you know, like maybe that's the person that what they needed was an outlet, but they never had one. And so their outlet ends up being the ultimate thing where they end up going and doing some shooting or something. Yeah. Right. Because if video games and all this stuff, if it really did cause violence, then everybody who played it, which is a massive amount would be more violent in the world. But I don't know if that's necessarily happening. In fact, actually the statistics say that we're actually becoming less violent as a culture. Um, so maybe actually video games are in many ways helping us to, you know, evolve, helping us express express. things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think like it would help if we didn't have to express alone in silence. I think it would help if people could express not only on their own terms, but also with each other and have Mm -hmm. it be okay. Yeah. 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 And I think also like, you know, um, having really good friends, helps someone a lot, right? Like if you have friends where you can actually be yourself in front of, and they won't judge you or make you wrong for it, you have a huge advantage. And I I know some people, they just feel like they don't have any friends. They don't feel like they can ever share with their friends who they're, how they're really feeling. And that is a really lonely experience. I've been there, you know, for a period of time in my life and it's really, really hard. And, um, not everybody has the luxury of having that outlet of friends. And so they're going to turn to things like music and movies and video games and things that they can kind of use to substitute that. Right. I mean, that's just, um, and it's great that we have these things. Yeah. Just sort of a way of, um, for people to not, you know, feel like they're, uh, they're alone, you know, like I've, I know I've had moments of just like feeling, feeling very, very alone and, you know, turn to maybe not necessarily video games, video games maybe would just be more of a distraction at that point sometimes, but like, you know, movies and music for sure. Yeah. Um, as things to just kind of like make me feel connected or, or something, right? Like it's, um, and so, I mean, I think maybe like, I feel like maybe we're kind of wrapping this guy up here. I think at this so. Point, but so like, I'll just say to close this off, like the more as we've discussed this and whatever, I, I know we came in off the top. We both feel like video games are absolutely an art form, or at least they can be taken into that territory of not just art, but being profoundly, um, moving artful experiences. Um, and the more that you examine video games, the good and the bad, like that can come of them, the more they do still draw, like the more it actually parallels with other art forms. Like they, they share so many similarities in in their divisiveness in their history, their acceptance, um, you know, the, the kinds of 
like what they achieve in, in their audience. And they're completely, completely art forms that are just, um, still kind of finding their way and being accepting or being accepted as such. And, um, being beyond just something that's, that's simply entertainment. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the way I wrap it up too, is I think the, when, when video games are simply entertainment, it's about how you use them. Um, it's the user experience and, uh, like anything, I think, you know, um, we can just use video games to sedate ourselves and to distract ourselves and to disconnect from the world. Um, and just because we can use them that way doesn't make video games in and of themselves bad. It just yeah. means that we're maybe not using them optimally or maybe we're misusing them. But we still use other things the very same way. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we use TV, we use Netflix, drugs, alcohol, sugar. Um, we do all sorts of things um, and we misuse them, you know. And, uh, and I think the art side of it is, you know, I think I would challenge people to um, if you're going to play video games, you know, go into it and look for your experience. What's the experience you're going for? As opposed to don't use them to disconnect from your life. Um, but use them to look for an experience. I think when we do that and we look for the experience we're going for, and we're honest about that, um, we can find the art in them. And, um, there's, you know, just because an artist created art, doesn't mean the experiencer experiences the art. And, um, I think that sometimes, you know, art is something that we have to look for. Uh, I go back to that American beauty example where you, you know, you see the bag floating in the wind. Well, you have to see the art in that. If you don't see the art in that, it's just a stupid plastic bag floating in the air. And if that's how you're going to look at it, that's going to be your experience in that Mm -hmm. moment. Um, and I think, uh, you know, if you're just being judgmental, you're not being mindful of your experience. But if you start to look at your experience, you go, yeah, I'm not really interested in a, in a plastic black bag floating in the air. I'm not really interested in that. I could see, okay, I, could, I get it. Someone else is, that's fine. But like, instead of us being so judgmental, like maybe we could just be a little more open to seeing how like, you know, maybe you don't like horror films. Maybe someone doesn't like first person shooters. Maybe someone, you know, some bro guys like, Oh dude, the wind game, that's gay. You know, like, whatever, yeah. right? like whatever, but everybody's going for their own experience. It's all fine. But that's that beauty of art. We all get to do that. We all get to find our own experience in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, instead of being judgmental, we can just be like, yeah, I'm not interested in that as opposed to making someone wrong for being interested in that. Yeah. That's my final thought. Beautiful. All right. Well, thanks. (laughs) See y'all later. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.